Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Guys, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Own Your Everyday comes out next week. This book has truly been a labor of love, rewritten and refined multiple times and created over the course of almost two years. And now it's almost out just for you. Trust me when I say that I left nothing out of these pages. If you're not sure what all the hype's about, check out the hashtag OwnYourEveryday and see what others who've gotten early access have to say about it. This is more than a book, sister. This is the beginning of a movement, a way of life. Know why? Because you and I cannot do the big, cool, extraordinary things that we dream of or that we see all over social media until we learn to show up for the small, not-so-cool, everyday things. There's truly no way around that, and this resource is meant to guide you through those things that hold you back and give you the tools to really show up where you are. It's like the resource for anyone who feels like she wants to chase after something more, even if she's a little unsure of what that something more is, while also trying to find purpose and contentment in her everyday without getting complacent or too comfortable. If that resonates with you, or if you like the way we get to chat on this podcast every week, I know that you're going to love this book. You can pre-order your copy anywhere books are sold. And once you do, be sure to go to jordanleedooley.com slash O-Y-E dash freebies to claim your bonuses like a coaching course with me before they run out in the next few days. The bonuses expire the day before release day. Release day is May 14th. So be sure to run over to jordanleedooley.com slash O-Y-E dash freebies. Submit a photo of your receipt from your pre-order and dive into that coaching course and get excited because this book is going to show up on your doorstep super soon. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Such an honor to be here. I feel like we should give everyone a little bit of context as to how this whole thing's going down, just so that they know this is not that fancy. <laughs> this is what we call a podcast on the go. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is called multitasking at its best, yeah. or its worst. We'll see. We're going to see. It's a happy experiment. <laughs> I think it's going to be great. Amanda's got her food or coffee. She's in the car. She's heading where she's got to go. And I'm sitting here yeah. in like a big oversized sweatshirt trying to sip my own coffee and stay, stay awake today. So it's, oh. we're making it happen. <laughs> we're making it happen. The reality of being a creative. 
Oh my gosh. Well, it is so, so fun to have you here. I hope everybody just feels immediately welcomed and excited. I know they're going to be just so thrilled to hear from you. And recently we've been having a few artists and musicians on the show. And I'd honestly love to just start out by asking, what are you listening to right now? And are you reading? Anything? Yeah. Are you reading anything particular? Where, where are you getting your inspo? What are you learning? Oh, I love that question. Mm. I, I live to read and I read to live, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to get involved in authors. I, I, I read an author and then I want to find out what they were reading mm-hmm. or who they were responding to. Because with me, I feel, I feel like a lot of art is a, is a response to another artist. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like writing a letter back, a yeah. thank you letter yeah. to people. So, um, there's, uh, an author, his name is Thomas Merton that I've been diving into a bit. Um, there's a poet named Rumi and then there's a book, um, there's a book called the book of awakening by Mark Nebo, whom I love. I love his books. Um, and this one is basically about falling in love with your life by being present to the one that you have. Mm. I think that's kind of, I'm paraphrasing it, but, um, it's beautiful. Daily meditations that just help um, help me wake up and pay attention to the miracles that are at hand that are right in front of me. Mm, so that was so a favorite. Good. So good. Um, music wise, there's just so much. I don't even know where to <laughs> begin or end on that one. I'm. Um, oh boy. Well, one of my favorite albums um, of all times is called Rice Boy Sleeps. Hmm. by Yonzi and Alex. It's one of my favorite soundtracks for everything. Hmm. I'll go and walk in the forest and just be present and feel my breathing slow down and my heart rate, you know, slow down and um, just reconnect to nature and to God and hmm. to myself. It's just, it's a really great soundtrack. Um, I love, uh, there's just so many great artists I feel right now. I love Maggie Rogers. Hmm. Um, her, her sound is just so, so alive. Hmm. Um, and Coldplay is always a favorite whenever Classic. I need a boost. <laughs> it's always it. a favorite. I listen to a lot of classical music too. I grew up on classical music. So I find that that's kind of, that's the home space musically hmm. that I find I return to the most probably. Um, yeah. Awesome. yeah. Like, you know, essential Mozart piano pieces. You know what's so, funny is when I, I need to concentrate, I mean, I didn't grow up with classical music, yeah. but I have found it is so helpful. Like when I want to just oh, yeah. out or zone in really and just be very present and it yeah. helps me avoid distraction. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but having like classical, instrumental, no words, you know, nothing else, no like necessary, necessarily like a clear story, but just something that really, it calms me and it helps me focus. It's been a really helpful tool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So good. Okay, so you just released your second album. First of all, congrats on that. I did. Thank <laughs> I want to dive into like your songwriting process. How? What does that look like for you? How does that begin for you? And how do you know when it's like when a song is done? Because for me as a writer, <laughs> I mean, I'm not writing songs, but even as someone who's writing books and creating content, I'm like always wanting to refine and refine. And you know, it can be easy to create over and over again. 
Or, you know, when you do create over and over again, creating multiple chapters or multiple songs, you know, it can feel like, I don't know, sometimes it's hard to know when it's really done and even really where to begin. So I'm just curious what your process is like a little bit. Well, that's a great question. I think we could talk about it all day. I don't know if we'd ever, I don't know if I'd actually ever get anywhere because I think it's part of the internal frustration of being a creative and wanting to regenerate and re, um, invent over and over mm. so i feel very fortunate <laughs> work with people who can help who can hone in and who can brief who can finish things with me i don't think i'd finish anything mm. if i wasn't surrounded by um the amazing creative maybe they're just they're more mature they're further along in their creative path than i am probably too because I think that comes with maturity is kind of not necessarily even looking at it as finishing something, but rather like letting it go and giving it to the wild. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and then, and then being able to, I think I feel like I'm able to do that as long as I feel like the sky is clear above me. So I can keep, I can just keep creating. It's not my, it's not the final thing I'll ever do. It's not mm -hmm. the only thing I'll ever do. It's not the, I think we get stuck in thinking that we only have one, shot sure we only have one chance to to speak our mind or to or to say our piece or to you know um create whatever it is that we're creating and and that can sometimes rob us of being present and in the moment with what we're recording and what we're listening to and paying attention to right now and um so and I always love I love artists that can reinvent themselves I love Lady Gaga I love mm -hmm. the way that she has reinvented her um artistry over and over again and mm. I just think that's brilliant so I think for me finishing it's, it's less finishing and it's more about releasing something into the wild and just letting it go and have its life mm. um and serving it the best that I can and and I think with artists like we're always serving something bigger serving something mm. broader than ourselves that includes the humanity of our story, but it's meant, it's meant for a public service. It's meant for us to serve it. Mm. Like, so I think that, that there's kind of an essential frustration that will always kind of sit there because uh, we'll never conquer it. It's not about conquering. It's not the whole mindset of like mastering or conquering something. Um, and art in the, and to me, the, the best works of art, if, I don't even want to use the word best. It sounds like a judgment word, but, but the most impactful um, artwork that I've experienced usually has to do, you can feel the frustration of a, of a human being mm -hmm. um, inspired and wanting to serve the work the best they can. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and then giving it to the people. Like, I think that's just what we do over and over and over again, rather than like, starting and ending mm. I think it's a continuum I think it's seasonal I think I think you know for me I I I thrive reading a book by the fire so I need to like take time off the grid away from everything <laughs> yeah. um to, to feel reconnected to and grounded in the in the essence of, of being a person first, you know, and, mm. and none of the personas or definitions or whatever that kind of come with any of our vocations, anything that we set out to do. Mm. And, um, 
and it sometimes it gets hard to return to that sense of self when things just kind of get noisy or, or big mm-hmm. or loud. And so for me, yeah, I just kind of, at this point, tend to look at art as a way of capturing, um, a, a way of keeping record of mm-hmm. the, the different things that my life experiment mm-hmm. is playing out, you know, so it's like taking field notes. Yeah, I think that's such More a good way mine. to put it. Yeah, I Thank love you. I love how you said that. Like, <laughs> well, one thing I think is so key is having others who maybe are ahead of you that can tell you, like, yeah, help you kind of complete the one the one specific song or the one specific record because that's been huge for me just even in book writing. So I definitely agree because mm-hmm. it does take maturity to kind of be like, okay, I have to let this go. It may feel undone for me, but it's what it needs to be, and I need to let it go. Like I've done what I can. Yeah. So I think that's a better way to say it, knowing when to let something go rather than to feel like it's final, it's done because nothing will ever be fully complete because we're always growing, right? We're always going to want to add yeah. one more thing or take one other thing away. So that's huge, and I also love just the perspective that this isn't your one shot, you know, this, every time you create something that, you know, put, you put out into the world, it's part of something so much bigger and it's a a piece to the whole, not like the final, like, well, this better be it. This better be the thing that, you know, takes off for the, you know, thing that I, it's all ultimately about serving and putting it out there and letting it go so that it can reach and serve those who it's made to. And so I just, I am very encouraged by that personally as a creator, as a writer, you know, as someone who is constantly, you know, putting things into the world. And it can be so easy to doubt or want to hold on to something too tight because of the fear of even just the vulnerability that that takes. You know, a lot of our own stories are woven throughout what we create. And that can be kind of scary, you know, to like, it's like putting something onto the world, like, here's my heart. Please don't stomp on it. <laughs> you know, so exactly, yeah. it's, it's uh, yeah. a challenge, but I'm really grateful you shared that. I think that's really important no matter what someone's creating. I think thinking of it in from that perspective is so powerful. And I'm curious, even in the creating process, I saw that you were off social media while recording the album and really took some time to slow down during this process. And I'm curious yeah. if you'd be willing to tell me your viewpoint on the importance of rhythms of rest and the significance uh-huh. of slowing down and what you felt was found or given back to you during your time of rest? Oh, wow. That's a brilliant question. Um, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I feel like my rhythms of rest are more of a series of crash landing. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for the reality check there. Cause I'm the same way. <laughs> I would, I would love to be able to say, yeah, I found it. I found the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And I just, I live in this, I'm on a perfect cycle. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a bit more. I think it's it's gonna it's leveling out a little bit more as I become more awake to the need for it and the importance of it um, and the awareness. But it has often felt more like um, you know Sandra Bullock and gravity like careening towards the earth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's that's how I crash landed to rest. But that's not not as that's not rest. That's, um, I would say that more of the, the crisis that's enough to wake a person up to the fact that we can't keep living like this. Mm. Um, you know, there's, there's all these things in therapy about how it takes a certain degree of misery to eclipse the fear of change. Mm. And so misery ends up being as much a gift in the end as the change mm. that we hopefully make 
from being miserable. Right. right. <laughs> Which is kind of intriguing. Um, and so I think, I think for me, yeah, I, w- I want to keep um, learning rhythms of rest. I think it's a learn, it's something that we as human beings all are, all are learning and in our unique paths that it will look different. Mm-hmm. Someone at rest, um, looks different than my rest. Someone else's, someone else's rhythm of rest will look different from mine. Yeah. For me, as far as unplugging from social media, it just felt like an unnecessary. It felt almost, it felt obvious. Mm-hmm. It felt like an obvious necessary switch because of how much space and energy it takes up when it's just humming in the background. Um, and I didn't realize how much space it would take up as it was humming in the background Hmm. until I deleted it. Um, and it's all an experiment. I didn't have this, you know, uh, three steps to like weaning off of social media and mass approval or disapproval. It was more like, this is causing great anxiety. Um, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go away for a while cause I have, cause I need to for mm-hmm. my own soul. Um, and then I, I found myself, this was interesting to me is that I found myself, um, unconsciously picking up my phone whenever I had a minute or was feeling bored or Mm -hmm. felt like an openness in my Mm -hmm. schedule or my mind or my thoughts. Mm -hmm. It was an unconscious habit to reach for my phone Mm -hmm. that I was completely unaware of how, how much I did it until I deleted it. Mm -hmm. I would, I would reach for my phone and I didn't even know I was reaching for my phone until I picked it up and, and then realized, Oh, I'm, I'm not going on Instagram. Right. Right. It's not there. What am I going to, yeah, what am I going to do instead? Right. Um, and I mean, it sounds so basic. It sounds so like, <laughs> no, but it's so, so powerful simple. and it needs to be talked about. <laughs> I think the biggest thing for me though, too, is, is that Instagram is not a problem. Instagram is not the problem. Mm-hmm. We like to make the, the substances, you know, and the, mm-hmm. the ways the problem it, to me, it was more about accessing the, the internal codependency within me of um, the approval, the mass approval or disapproval of people, which caused me to shut down anyway. Thank you to Lola for sponsoring this episode. Lola is a female-founded company offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, liners, and all-natural cleansing wipes. The founders started their company with a simple and seemingly obvious idea women shouldn't have to compromise when it comes to feminine care products. They ask themselves, if we care about the ingredients in the food we eat and the beauty products we use, why shouldn't the same be true of our feminine care products? Amen. Unlike the major brands, Lola products are 100% natural and easy to feel good about. No mystery fibers or doubts about what's going into your body. Plus, Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription. Lola will deliver exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. The FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their feminine care products, so most of them don't. Lola offers complete transparency about the ingredients found in their tampons, pads, liners, and more. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their products, including rayon and polyester. 
Their feminine care products may also be treated with harsh chemicals, cleansing agents, fragrance, and dyes. Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, synthetics, or dyes. This is a company founded by women for women. It makes your month just a little bit easier too. Their subscription is fully customizable so you can choose your mix of products, mix of absorbency, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible as well. You can change, skip, or cancel it at any time. Personally, my mom recently called me and she was like, Jay, you should probably really be using organic products. And so I went to the store and I actually had a hard time finding some stuff. And so when I heard about Lola, I was like, oh, I definitely have to look into this. And I really love the convenience of it because it's not that easy to find. The majority of brands out there don't offer 100% natural organic products, even in feminine care. So if this is something that you're interested in checking out and you agree that you would love to have a healthier alternative to what's out there in the, in the major mainstream market, go to mylola.com and get 40% off of any subscription by using the promo code SHE. Just go to mylola.com and enter the promo code SHE. Woo! Go organic tampons. <laughs> For me, things can get pretty crowded in my head and noisy in my head pretty quickly, um, just the way I'm wired. And I mean, all of us are wired differently. But I think for my psyche, um, I've been I've been overwhelmed <laughs> pretty regularly in my life um, in being in a room with more than sometimes one person mm. um, or 10 people or 100 people. And then to to exaggerate that, put that on a platform that's forever out in space um, and add thousands to that. It just kind of, it, my psyche ends up just kind of shutting down at a certain point because I think the biggest fear that I have um, succumbed to or felt at the mercy of for the longest time has been the fear of being misunderstood. Um, And so then I tend to serve, I've tended to serve that fear by keeping more to myself because then you don't have a chance of being misunderstood if you don't stick your neck out. Um, But I find with that though, I miss out on the opportunity of human connection and true vulnerability. And I think there's a fine line between vulnerability and um, just emotional What's a good word for it? Boundaries. Uh, <laughs> or, I, you know, no. sometimes, sometimes in the name of vul- quote unquote vulnerability, uh, we take to social media to oh, transparency. share our, our present circumstances almost to prove, yes. you know, in the, in the line of thinking now that we're like, well, if we're not being fully honest on social media, then we're not living honest lives. Yes. And I think that's bogus because I girl uh, preach, keep going, (laughs) go, go, go. (laughs) I think it's bogus because there are certain things that are just still meant to be sacred. Mm -hmm. Um, and that are meant for people who have actually earned the space and the trust Mm -hmm. of your true vulnerability. Cause vulnerability looks like, um, giving space to another person to allow them to shape me and change my mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, not even that, but just, just being able to actually say things as they are in the present moment with, with a backstory, Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody on social media has (laughs) in my field, like in my energetic field, nobody actually does have that space. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they, they haven't spent the last 34 years with me. And I, 
I mean, I, and I'm not going to place that demand on them mm-hmm. because they don't have the time. Right, <laughs> it would exactly. It's very narcissistic for exactly. me to sit there and say, actually, you just don't know me. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't know me. So you don't get to know me. You don't deserve to know me. So I think there's some kind of, I'm ta- I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, but I'm hoping to find um, a space and create a space that feels true. And it's about sharing life experiences. Yes. And I subscribe to Brene Brown's, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> her, basically her teachings on vulnerability to me have, have helped me feel true and free by being able to share certain elements of life, mm-hmm. um, in the arena that, that I get to meet, you know, masses of people that I wouldn't be able to sit down mm-hmm. one-on-one and have a conversation with. So that's a gift. It's mm-hmm. a gift in and, in and of itself to be able to share that. But at the same time, having, having the self-respect to know what I'm, I'm placing myself at the mercy of, mm-hmm. um, and, and deciding who I'm at the mercy of, mm-hmm. I think is really important because we tend to, um, I I felt like I was at the mercy of the fear of being misunderstood for a long time. And then I would be misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of, that cycle actually just kept replaying itself because it would, it would continue to, to validate the fear of being misunderstood. (laughs) Um, And I think taking the power back looks like deciding who I'm at the mercy of, deciding what I'm at the mercy of Mm. um, and choosing to put my energy at the mercy of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control, which is, you know, the fruit of the spirit Mm -hmm. to me has given me so much more freedom because Mm -hmm. then I can put myself in an arena where I will be misunderstood Mm -hmm. because there's just not enough time (laughs) for another human being to ever know Mm -hmm. enough about another human being Mm -hmm. in order to make some judgment about them. It's just, it's just for anyone, for everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just don't, we live and die by our subconscious judgments, but man, they're so limited. They're mm-hmm. so finite. Mm-hmm. And so I think understanding that has, has given me space to breathe within it and, and look. And then I came back to social media, looking at it as basically a way of connecting to people. Mm-hmm. And if I decide that I'm not in them, I'm not at the mercy of that big wide world out there, but I'm rather at the mercy of, you know, the spirit, mm-hmm. which is love and, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. If I decide that, mm-hmm. forget social media. If I decide mm-hmm. that in the morning, mm-hmm. that that is where I'm just going to place my energy at the mercy of those things, then everything that we, everything that I do from there, from then on, when it, when it is, when I am misunderstood or when something gets taken out of context or whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't define, um, it doesn't define me anymore. Mm-hmm. It just, it sounds so. It sounds so small when I say it out no, loud. No, it's but so it's, huge, it's though. A, yeah, I think it just. It's kind of a terrifying. It feels. It feels daunting. It mm-hmm. just feels daunting. Mm-hmm. And I needed to get to a place where social media isn't the problem, because mm-hmm. it can be easy to just you know go offline and and say, oh, well, that's the problem. Right. But I think it's just. It's a way. It's just a way. It's a. It's a. It's a tool to connect and. And a beautiful one at that. And mm-hmm. it can be it can be used for beautiful things. It can be used mm-hmm. to build awareness. It can be used to connect with other human beings. Mm-hmm. And um, that's part of the way our world works right now. So I want to be able to to serve that space well while mm-hmm. maintaining a sense of of my own agency offline. Mm-hmm. I love that's that you a said very that. long 
No, it's so good. And I love that you dove into that from a variety of different angles. And I 100% agree with you. It's so funny that you said that because just a few days before recording this with you, I put out an episode that I had recorded a little while ago because I get a lot of questions from people like, you know, how do you be authentic on social media? You know, especially when you're a creative or, you know, your, your heart is so ingrained in your work, right? Like as a songwriter, as an author in these spaces. And, you know, for me, I, you know, have seen that that can be very powerful to, um, be open and honest and, you know, storytell and things like that. And I think there's a lot of good in that, but like you said, I love how you defined vulnerability too, because I recently had someone bring it up to me, kind of the difference between transparency and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Have you ever heard of that? Like the, how the, how they describe the difference, how mm-hmm. transparency is like, you're in a glass box and people can clearly see through it. Like you're open, you'll say what you need to say. Like you're pretty transparent with, you know, I struggle with this or I struggle with that or whatever. Vulnerability is not the same thing, but we often make them sound like the same thing. Vulnerability is cracking the glass box and letting someone into it to be very near to you and actually being able to receive help, input, advice without Uh, being able to give anything in return, right? Like being at the mercy of, like you said, out of what? And and I heard that and I was like, that's me because I'm so comfortable with transparency to a certain degree, but it's when it's actually like true vulnerability isn't possible in in a digital space behind a screen, right? Like that's literally not an option. And it's also, I think there's a lot of pressure, like you said, like the whole, this is bogus. I mean, I think there is a lot of pressure. There's this, you know, hashtag live authentic. If you're not completely real online, like what are you really doing? And I think we've gotten to this place where it's become like expected and trendy and um, it somehow works. And I think it's certainly a tool or a way to serve when it's necessary and when it's wise. But I think sometimes we fail to really look at it like, is it even wise? Are like, what's the, at what cost, you know? And is that really even a pressure we should be succumbing to if there's, you know, there's going to be certain times where maybe you're more open about something than others, but you don't owe that to anyone. And I think we need to give ourselves permission to remember that, especially as creatives. But I know that so many, even women who, you know, are using it just as a part-time side hustle, or they're sharing their, you know, store online, or they have a small business or whatever they're doing. It's like, man, I just feel like so many, regardless of what they do, whether it's for their work or not, they fail to remember that this is simply a tool or one avenue to connect, but it doesn't need to be your diary. I mean, it can definitely be a place where you write meaningful things and where you're honest, Mm -hmm. where it's necessary and where it's healthy for you, right? Where it might be healthy for me to open up about a certain experience that I had, it might not be healthy for you to open up about a similar experience that you had because you're still in the midst of it or because you haven't quite processed it. And so, like you said, putting yourself at the mercy of that simply because it's expected or perceived to be expected or whatever this weird pressure is, I think it robs us of our ability to experience true vulnerability, to be real present in our real life. And remember that it is ultimately a tool that can be used intentionally, but it can also be set down because it's not the only tool, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the, I think that mystery is still an important piece of mm. life, yeah. that, um, especially for creatives and for artists, that, mm-hmm. like to be able to immerse ourselves in an art project and give ourselves over to it and serve it really well, but um, that it doesn't require a person to share all the details of of this song and the reason why it was written. I mean, actually often more times than not 
takes away from the experience that someone has had with a song. So if I listen to a song, it's the language I need for a season and it gives me, it felt like it was written specifically for me. I, that is success because mm-hmm. it feels for any artist, for any writer to feel like their work has been, they've served the work and the work will go and be interpreted through other people's life experiences. It's not limited to the artist's experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a universal experience. And then when often when I, if I hear a song story from how the song was written, mm-hmm. that actually, I mean, as, as in, I, I love to learn, I love to hear all about it, but at the same time, it feels as though the mystery has just been mm-hmm. tampered with. Mm-hmm. And the mystery is that the song was universal and it connected with so many people and we mm-hmm. all had our own stories with it. Yeah. And that to me is great art. A friend of mine told me recently that good art, informs people about the artist and great art informs people about themselves Hmm. and so I think in the the day and age that we live in where everything is kind of not this will just the word that comes to mind is prostituted but Hmm. hear me out where we where we we sell we sell the story before we let the song breathe and just be, because it's very uncomfortable sometimes to sit in the mystery mm. and let the songs be what they are. Let them be open for interpretation, mm. not scramble to try to sell the song um, off of our own importance mm. or off of our faith, even like using mm. faith as, as a way to try to boost the art mm. rather to treat the art as, as, um, an incarnation itself mm-hmm. as a a moment when we were divinely given over to when we were our humanity was divinely met with and we we gave ourselves we did our best we painted the ceiling we we sang that little motif we we went to the piano and played this thing and hit record like we gave ourselves over to something that was mysterious to us mm-hmm. and we didn't conquer it mm-hmm. we merely served it mm-hmm. that to me um, that translates in life though, because so much of life takes place in mystery. Right. It's not conquerable. It's not, um, we're, we're always going to be students. We're always going to be learning. And so art, I think brings meaning to the learning process and mm-hmm. beauty and points out the, it's meant to just, you know, serve as field notes or, um, you know, pay the practice of paying attention to stop and be drawn in by a painting. You know, um, but it doesn't give away the mystery. Madeline Engel talks about how great art is is meant to provoke hmm. the the person that's witnessing it to ask the right questions. It's not meant to give everyone the answers. Right. Um, it's meant that, you know, anytime you see you you encounter something extremely beautiful, it it stops us in our tracks and it causes the questions to rise to the surface that are in the back of our subconscious rather Mm. than just being sold something, told something, you know? um, Yeah. Mm. Art has an understanding in it and a recognition in it. True art has a recognition and an understanding in it that really respects the human being that's witnessing it. I Mm. think Um, it does not demand something of the listener or um, the seer it doesn't demand something that they're not willing to give. Mm. It's like, I'll meet you half. I'll meet you in that space rather than telling you what you need to experience. Mm. So anyway, so this is a long good. thought process, but I think mystery is still, 
it's an art form in and of itself. And I think mystery is necessary still. And, and being private about, about, Mm. um, sacred things in our lives is not the same as keeping secrets. Yes. It's, it's like you said, what you, what you're basically, I'm just talking around what you said, but basically having, having true vulnerability and true community looks mm-hmm. like having a few people who know mm-hmm. who are willing to go to the depths and willing to help shape your life experience and, sh- and shape who you become and, um, help you grow. That's not going to be the, however many thousand or hundred or, you know, over 40, Jesus, Jesus had 12 people around him. Yes. You know, and I know that's been draw. it's been talked about, but I think that Jesus left before everything became a giant movement. And he, and he told, (laughs) he told the Mm -hmm. disciples, everyone, everyone Mm -hmm. has access to the spirit, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but he didn't exhaust himself trying to be the answer to everybody. Mm-hmm. I think you know, he he came to shine the light on the the spirit that that we were all asleep to. Yes, that was inside all of humanity. And then he left and said, "The light is on. Everyone, everyone gets to. This is the whole point. Everyone right. gets to experience it." Yeah, I love that you brought that up because I don't know if you've ever experienced that too. But sometimes being in any kind of spotlight, whether you have you know a hundred people watching at a concert, or if you're like even I feel like sometimes we forget that people in the spotlight aren't just um, people who are artists or musicians or speakers. You know, it's also the teacher who has thirty kids looking at her, right? It's also there's yes. we all have our own spotlights, and what I find to be interesting. And I always struggle with this um, to some degree because it's like, where's the line? And um, finding, like, keeping what is sacred sacred and, you know, being willing, especially as a believer, to be the light as much as we possibly can. But I think sometimes what we begin to do is we assume this responsibility that we, you know, in any kind of spotlight we have, that we must broadcast it at all times. And it's like, it should be evident. Like if the spirit lives in us, it's like the pressure's off. We don't have to teach, you know, uh, like we don't have to be a pastor or teacher or even have that be something we broadcast at all times to carry that with us. And I think what that can actually do when we put that pressure on ourselves, at least I've experienced this from time to time. And I thought, I figure you probably have too, is when what is sacred begins to be a part of what is, um, broadcasted at all times on a public stage to, again, like you said, people who you can't actually dialogue with, those who aren't in your vulnerability corner and all those things, it almost sucks the sacredness out of it and it becomes a show. Would you, have you ever felt that? Like, have you ever felt that kind of exhaustion that can come from some of that pressure in that space to, okay, well, this is what you believe. This is how you must broadcast it. And I think we can sometimes forget, like there needs to be a line Mm. between, you know, what truly is sacred and holy and private. I mean, literally it says, go to your room and pray. Right. So like, how do you, how do you, um, sometimes navigate that or, you know, balance that with also the desire to make sure we are being light, right. That we are carrying that with us and that it's evident in what we do, even if it's not, you know, always broadcasted very specifically, it's like a, there's a very careful balance. And I, I wanted to touch on that because even though maybe as artists in different capacities, you know, you and I have experienced that in a public way. I think a lot of women and a lot of people can feel that same pressure in their, corner of the universe or their circle of influence. And it's almost like, take the pressure off because I don't think that's ever what Jesus and the spirit ever put on us. You know, like that, it was almost like, he, he's like, this is freedom. This isn't, you must say and talk and do and be like, it's like, keep it, keep it very simple. And always going back to like, he did have 12. I know you just mentioned that. And it's a reminder, like, this isn't, you don't have to be everybody's, you know, savior. You don't have to be that, like he was present and he was 
holding what was sacred. And I think that really challenges the way I create, the way I do art, anything that I do from a platform. It's like, how does that come through? And like you said, with good art, like serve the viewer, serve the listener um, for what it means to them and how it affects them rather than trying to push my own story or my own experience. Does that make sense? Right. (laughs) I'm kind of circling around what you said too, but I think this is a really healthy conversation and a really healthy thing to bring up because it's like we do live in this world where literally everything is seen and broadcasted it feels like at the time you know and it's like man Mm -hmm. how do we protect those pieces of our lives yeah I think I think what you said about being a light that kind of sparked for me because I think we're we are we're meant to be a light not everybody's answer Mm -hmm. um and with being a light, you just shine. Mm-hmm. You just unapologetically, mm-hmm. <laughs> like unrelentingly shine and you let, and you just let things be bright. And that sounds very, very, very simple. But, um, I think the, the pressure, the pressure of having to meet, um, you know, the, the demands of the big wide world out there, um, with some kind of answer, Mm. it creates kind of a manic anxiety. Um, but we come into the world as children and children know how to shine before they learn how to, before we learn how to not shine, before we try to turn that light into something else and some kind of agenda or, you know, Mm -hmm. answer for everyone. Mm-hmm. we just shine yeah we just we just laugh when we needed to we were one mm-hmm. with our spirit soul and body we were connected and mm-hmm. before we learned how to split and mm-hmm. present ourselves to you know in order to hopefully be approved of mm-hmm. um in a fractured kind of a fearful state but i i just think that like going back to not necessarily going back i think it's moving forward the unraveling and the um the unfurling of our lives but i think i think being a shiny mystery mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's the quote i think um becoming <laughs> i love it our shiny our shiny little mysterious imaginative selves i think i think it, there there's this room there's freedom to play hmm in that rather than um having to try to turn that into trying to make that something more than what it is it Mm -hmm. just is it's Mm -hmm. brilliant it's bright it's beautiful Mm -hmm. people are brilliant bright and beautiful and they're made we're we're all glorious you know um we came into the world shining before we learned how to dull it down or diminish it or um or try to turn it into something that you know hopefully would and I think I think the heart behind it is is just a genuine zeal. We find something good and we want to share it with the world, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I think that if what would happen if we took the pressure off and and take the pressure off, but not just the pressure, but the, I think the pressure comes from a subconscious state of mm-hmm. um, of fear. I think there's a bigger there are bigger questions there rather than just the pressure Mm -hmm. to be or to establish or to try to, you know, change the world. There's so much talking about changing the world. And I just wonder more about improving our little life spaces that we have Mm. um, rather than trying to conquest and 
mold it to our liking, to our, like what we think is right. Rather, if we can practice in our small spaces, what, what we're learning, Mm -hmm. um, because everything takes practice and practice happens over hours and hours and years and years of living. So what would happen if we all took our little circles, our little spaces and practiced Mm -hmm. and practiced well and, um, improved, you know, our own energy so that we could improve the lives of others around us. Yeah, That's what I wonder. So I just wonder about that. So Me I know too. social Me media too, is a way. <laughs> yeah. And social media is a, it's a way of sharing that vibe. It definitely mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. You can feel the vibe a mile off. Like, yeah. um, but yeah, there, I think that, I think, yeah, I think having sacred spaces is, is important for any human development. Mm-hmm. I don't think the human psyche really is meant for the the scrutiny of thousands of people ever but i think it can be such a brilliant and beautiful space for all that energy to gather onto something so beautiful and beyond um one person Hmm. you know or that's why you know anthems are so are so powerful it's it's everyone's energy collected and given over to something so much bigger and so much brighter and more beautiful than all of us combined, but it includes all of us. Hmm. That's why anthems are so effective to me. They're so beautiful. So I think we can approach social media as a way to create some kind of anthemic space Hmm. for people to feel connected to something bigger than all of us, but that includes all of us. That's so powerful to me. Mm, I so agree. It's so good. This is such a healthy conversation. I'm like, can we just park here forever? Um, But I did notice something that you shared recently or that you wrote recently, and I want to touch on it briefly. You said, I wanted to return to the ground where faith isn't fantasy. Tell me what the statement means to you. And if you're able to return to that place in your faith, because I've, I resonate with that a lot in a lot of ways. I'm, I think that sometimes within I'm trying to think about what I want to say. I think that sometimes for me, um, faith would sometimes feel like I was pushing myself to try to believe something that I just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it would feel like, uh, it would feel like creating a world in my imagination that I hope existed. Hmm. that would help me get through the mundane practices of my daily grind. And both of those, I think, are sometimes, like the first one, people can look at that and think that's just doubt, which is something that you overcome by faith. And I don't think that doubt is the antithesis of faith at all. I think Mm -hmm. doubt is essential to faith. Mm -hmm. It's essential that we ask ourselves the questions of what we actually believe and why. And the art of critical thinking is different than cynicism. Mm -hmm. It's not tearing something apart. Um, with cynicism, it's it's looking at something going, I wonder why I actually think that. Do I think that? Mm-hmm. What is my agency? What is my mm-hmm. autonomy? What do I actually... It reconnects us to our conscience mm-hmm. rather than just giving into tribal thinking or mm-hmm. group thinking. Because mm-hmm. um, energetically, a group gathering around a thought is a really powerful idea. And it creates beautiful things and very tragic things mm-hmm. in our society. Um, and so for me, I think that it's faith for me has become a, rather than a buzzword or a, a way of life, it's become, um, more of a, 
more of the mysterious space in which I ask hmm. myself the questions and I ask the spirit the questions and I commune with and here I feel like I'm sharing sacred space this is where I'm mm-hmm. like oh, I'm starting to talk about sacred space but I think it's important to like faith is is not a cluster of belief systems in a gathering or a group in a tribal mentality. That's not faith. Mm. That is a group of people that's gathering around the energy of an idea, which is brilliant in and of itself. It's mm. and it's and it's and it's. I think it's necessary for survival. It's the way that we're wired as human beings. But faith, for me, is the it's the wide expanse of questions and of um, engaging with. A, a great beyond hmm. and a deep within. Hmm. So it feels like a space that's 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 way beyond me. It's the divine. It's the essence of you know we read in scripture the many names of God, which I love. I feel like hmm. um, God has become such a familiar word now, and hmm. I love the names of I am, I am that I am. That's hmm. a definition that the divine gave itself hmm. um, to one of you know the the pillars of um of the scriptures and and Emmanuel being a word that's that's the a definition that they gave themselves which is that they will be with us always mm. forever never ceasing never leaving so i think that um yeah the fine line between faith and fantasy to me fantasy is just simply trying to create something in my imagination to survive or to make it through the moment that I'm in. Um, but, but to me, the ground where, where faith becomes real is, is in being able to radically accept reality, mm-hmm. um, within the mystical practice of, of the questions and the, and the practices of what I, what I do believe. So it all shapes a belief system reality shapes beliefs um and as much as our our you know prophetic unctions shape our beliefs and to me being able to those things take place in a body those things take place in my today is a thursday afternoon like in central time those things take place in the practices that I will have today. And practicing looks like how do I embody these tenets and these things that I'm, that I'm asking questions of and that I'm looking for in life today hmm. at 34 years of age. Hmm. And by 44, I'll have more practices by 54. I'll have more practices. I'm hmm. always going to be growing in it. Um, but it's become less about trying to fantasize away reality. Mm. Sometimes we use, I think, faith as a way to try to escape reality as well. And it's and it's helpful for a time, especially when people are dealing with major trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, needing to have that kind of escape hatch in our brains is essential for mm-hmm. survival. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really quite beautiful that it all ends up serving us in the end. Um, for me, faith has become so grounded in the in in nature and in going for a walk and in being with people around a table and mm-hmm. having vulnerable conversations and being in therapy and growing as a person hopefully becoming a, a you know a more loving and kind human being mm-hmm. those that to me those are the practices on display mm-hmm. much more than you know the the very loud things that we hear that come from those little practices 
So good. So, so good. And so true. Um, man, that's so encouraging. And I just hope for anyone listening, you know, that you really let, like you really let that sink in because I think we can so, like you said, it's just become such a common word or it's something that's so familiar in many ways, but is it really, if we allow ourselves to lean in and really feel and open our minds and our hearts and like you said, therapy, community, vulnerability, like those things are uncomfortable. And I think we've become a culture that's so, um, I think we don't even realize how unwilling we are to get uncomfortable because we can numb our minds and our hearts and our, you know, our lives so easily with entertainment yeah. and mindless scrolling and, you know, this thing that feels honest and feels authentic, but, you know, I, I don't know. I just think we have to be really much more attuned to that. And I love that you shared that. And I love, 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 love that you just, even though this was something you said a little bit ago, I just want to bring it back up because the importance of mystery, um, you know, and that paired with what you just mentioned about doubt. Um, my husband, he listens to like, you know, all sorts of music, but anyways, there's this line in a song. I can't even remember. I can't even remember what the song is, but it says the opposite of faith ain't doubt. It's when I think I got it all figured out. And it's like, yes. And how often do we try to figure it all out? And then, you know, we just, or we convince ourselves like, okay, I got it. And we almost like shut off and we numb without actually exploring and diving deeper as to the why and the how, and like, what am I wrestling with? And am I wrestling? Am I allowing myself to wrestle and not feeling guilt or shame for that? Or am I numbing those maybe little inklings or questionings or um, uncertainties or fears or whatever with, broadcasting stuff to the world, you know, or constantly consuming everything in the digital world or just in the world in general, rather than really pausing and breathing and slowing down. And so it's, and it's usually for me, like you mentioned, it's, I'd love to say I'm just great at rhythmic rest, but it's usually like I've, I get to a crash and burn place where I'm like, I am craving real, something real now. Like I'm at a point where I can't keep producing and I'm just like, I have to stop. And when you do is usually when you learn the most, where you grow the most, where you're stretched the most and where faith really can become so much more real to you rather than just this thing you passively accept or talk about or hear about. Yeah. Hmm. And it can be disorienting to go through that process of letting, um, letting go of the certainty that we thought faith was Hmm. like, I think the certainty is be, it creates boundaries for our, our thinking and our living, which is necessary for, for a time. And then usually something happens in life that is outside of those zones. Hmm. Um, but it requires us to let go or to, Mm -hmm. to let go of some certainty Mm -hmm. because we find out, Oh my gosh, things aren't actually as controllable or, or certain as I thought, as I once thought they're Mm -hmm. not manageable beyond this. Um, and so there, I wonder if there's a faith that is, is bigger than my certainty. Oh my gosh. Turns out that there is, Mm. (laughs) turns out that everywhere that I thought um, God wasn't, God actually is. Turns out that there is room, not only is there room, but in faith, I am welcomed with all of my anger, all of my doubt, all of my grief, all of my sadness. And those things are not curse words. Those Mm. things are essential to my, to my life story. And in faith, they're actually made, there's meaning and there's, um, they're, it, they're loved as they are mm. to start to love my sad self rather than punish her for being sad. Mm. Um, it, that to me is also part of the fantasy thing where we, 
we think or I don't know if we think or if we've been told or we've been taught. I'm not sure where it came from, but this utopian idea of, you know, well, if you if you have this, if you have this faith, then you must just be happy all the time. You must be mm-hmm. joyful all the time. Just mm-hmm. Choose joy. Strong all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you talk to somebody who's dealing with real depression and just tell them to have positive thoughts. I mean, that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so, and, and I'm, and I feel compassion for everyone in that conversation because I know that people just, we're all just trying to help each other, but, mm-hmm. but there is room for the, the sadness, the deep sadness of, of people going through trauma and however long it takes to actually dignify that sadness. Cause every emotion comes and knocks on our door as, um, a way of inviting us into a deeper, a deeper relationship with ourselves. And like, I'm tired of maybe slamming the door on things that I thought I needed to slam the door. And I think I needed to, I I had to demonize fear or demonize um, sadness or make them enemies um, rather than integrating them into my life story and learning from them that I could sit with anger and learn from mm-hmm. anger because anger is powerful energy and it brings clarity mm-hmm. and it, it comes as a pure clean energy to us mm-hmm. when it's there usually as an indicator of hey something needs to change mm-hmm. and if we treat anger like a problem then we end up just shoving it in a closet somewhere where eventually it's trying to heal it's trying to heal the person it's trying to heal me mm-hmm. um but I needed to find out that faith was a space that I could bring all of those things, all those things mattered Mm. and they wouldn't be shunned or punished or put somewhere that we just don't want to look at it. They wouldn't be shamed. Mm -hmm. Um, That faith would have space to have these conversations about shame and heal, heal the shame so that the story didn't need to change. The Mm -hmm. facts didn't need to change. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you heal the shame, then we're able to absorb every piece of our life story as essential and powerful and important uh, we can treat our ang- anger with kindness mm. and be gentle to ourselves in those really really tender spaces mm-hmm. um but it requires kind of the laying down of the fantasy of what we thought should be or what we were told should be and rather embracing what simply is mm-hmm. that's the ground that is the ground of our being and that is that is this that's the spacious place to to meet with faith to to have conversations about faith and ask those important questions Mm -hmm. so good gosh we could go on forever but I don't know I don't (laughs) want to keep all your time but thank you so much for that not only you know encouragement but also just honesty and raw honest thoughts about a really hard topic to really tackle because Mm -hmm. walking in faith and belief especially through things like anxiety walking through hard seasons having any kind of publicity or spotlight or you know creation creative process or just putting yourself out there I know it can be so hard and I know all of us experience that to some degree or another I think we often forget that and it can really start to all blend together and become such a mess and it can be so hard to pause and really have these conversations and think deeper and dive deeper into our souls really examine what we're doing why we're doing it are we allowing ourselves to wrestle? And if so, why not? I love that you said, you know, loving yourself even when you're sad rather than punishing yourself for being sad as if you're not supposed to be or you're not supposed to be bitter. I mean, or you're not supposed to be angry or frustrated. It's like, right. well, what if you accept that as it is and show up there 
in that space rather than, well, I'll show up as a better version of me because there's so much of this, like, be your best self. But the reality is you can't be your best self until you love yourself even at your worst and let yourself be loved at your worst because you are. That's the thing. Like, if, you know, for us, you know, knowing the God of the universe isn't like, yo, figure it out, be your best self. How would the best version of you live today and then come hang out? It's like, no, that's what a motivational speaker will say. And while I'm all about like continuing to improve and, you know, growing as we can and hitting those goals, like I'm here for it. I'm an Enneagram three, like let's achieve the things, right? But man, it is like so freeing to remember that the God I know is like, Hey sister, like this is why my, you know, why I love this phrase that we just kind of coined your brokenness is welcome here. Because if we said that to ourselves, that doesn't mean, you know, sit in the brokenness and accept that as your forever reality and never seek, you know, help or anything like that. It's just simply saying, I have to learn to welcome my struggle so I can show Mm -hmm. up in the midst of the struggle and therefore Mm -hmm. actually start the improvement and the growth. Otherwise it's this like falsified sense of growth and it's not real. It's, mm. it's like I'm putting the bandaid on it, you know? So I don't know. I just think what you shared just really sparks so much. And I want to let our listeners just kind of chew on that and wrestle through that and cry through it, whatever, like <laughs> it's, it's a safe place. And I think that's really important to allow for ourselves between just us and God, mm. us and ourselves and, you know, those, mm-hmm. those sacred and closed relationships in our lives. So thank mm-hmm. you for sharing that. Thank you for opening up. I, I, I don't want to keep you too long. So I just want to wrap up by asking, you know, where can everyone not only find you, but also hear this new album that you have. It's absolutely incredible. You guys need to go check out Amanda's new album. If you have not beautiful, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. We got to talk a little bit about that process, but what, tell us just a little bit about it, what it's called and where we can find you and and the album as well. Um, well, you can find me walking remote hills <laughs> in fields. Um, no, uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, at Amanda Lindsay Cook, and the album is out everywhere. It's called House on a Hill. I'm really, really happy with it. I'm really grateful I got to, you know, um, serve these songs and, and I'm excited to be out on the road with these songs too and just, mm um, see how they connect. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's out, it's out everywhere on every platform and you can, that's it. That's (laughs) That's my spiel. (laughs) And there we go. That's a wrap. (laughs) I love it. Yes. Go check it out and think about everything we just shared. Let it sink in. (laughs) You know, I, I just, I absolutely love it. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for your time, for your heart, for your energy and for the, for the good work and the hard work that you do to serve the world with your art, with your, with your heart, with your story and everything in between. So we appreciate you you. and we're cheering for you, girl. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart 
faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.